In 2021, the Isle of Man government commissioned KPMG to help develop an economic strategy for the Isle of Man. KPMG undertook a fundamental review of the Manx economy and their report has helped the Isle of Man government develop its draft economic strategy. In the strategy, Isle of Man government claims to be choosing greater investment in our economic future, choosing to put our people at the centre of our economic model and choosing to build a future Isle of Man that people will hold up as an incredible place to live, visit, work and do business. The strategy outlines four economic shifts to achieve government's key objectives and vision, namely to grow the island's population to 100,000 residents by 2037, driven by the inward migration and retention of economically active people and the recruitment of key workers, to reach a GDP of £10 billion by 2032 across enabling sectors, existing key sectors and new sectors, with 5,000 new jobs created and filled. By 2032 to generate over 200 million of additional annual income to reinvest in services and improve the quality of life of all residents. And finally, substantially decarbonise the services parts of our economy by 2030, supporting an overall reduction of 35% in the island's greenhouse gas emissions. The four economic objectives seek to deliver prosperity for people and communities, prosperity for business, a resilient and sustainable economy, and to protect, nurture and grow key sectors of the economy. All this and more was discussed in government's first ever policy conference which took place last Tuesday and Wednesday and Perspective this week focuses on day one of the conference. Simon Nicholas is a partner in KPMG and is one of the masterminds behind their economic report. We've been working on this for nearly the last 18 months Well, over 9,000 man-hours have gone into this behind the scenes. So yeah, it's been quite quite some project. And in, in terms of... I mean. It, one could, if, if, if one were critical, you, you could say, well, everything that's being suggested here is pretty obvious and pretty straightforward. And what go- government wouldn't want to grow the economy, have more uh, finances for the public uh, services uh, to engage with the private sector. So, so, I mean, what you've said is pretty obvious. Yeah, do you know, I, that's said quite a lot, and I, I hear that, and, and actually I think I've said that in many of my opening speeches, you know, you'll hear stuff today that does come across as common sense. I think the difference is we finally have invested all the time and, and analysis into actually getting real data behind this. So some of the findings that have come through, whilst we've all been talking about them for years, we've never been able to know for sure that that was actually what was happening. And I think the key thing coming out of this, I hope, is the structure for how to move forward. Of the 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 the, um, the 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 four sort of pillars that that, that have been mentioned, I mean, growing the population uh, is one. I mean, we've heard quite a lot today about this. Um, there are some people, though, obviously on the Isle of Man, who will be concerned at the thought that uh, we're we're looking at a 16% increase in population at a time when people who are already here are struggling to afford uh, to to live here. Um, do you think that, um, the, the, well, presumably it's government's d- job to tailor this uh, in, in such a way that the public can actually better understand and get behind it? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. That's exactly why we're here today, and that's and that's why the debate will continue. I mean, KPMG have, have done some analysis, uh, well, a lot of analysis, and have come up with recommendations, but ultimately the decision doesn't rest with us. Um, but I, I, I hear the points around the population, but I think the key 
challenge that we, the island has is the demand on public services continues to go up, which ultimately means the cost of public services is going up. Meanwhile, the number of people that are contributing to government revenue to pay for it all is going down. That is not a sustainable trend, and therefore you have to do something about it. Uh, and the only way, or one of the key ways that we would recommend to do that, is by growing the economically active population. I think most people, I think listeners, will not necessarily understand what economically active means, but effectively, almost take it as effectively taxpayers, those that are paying something back into government so that they can spend money on nurses and doctors and teachers. Is there though not, because uh, population drives have been tri- tried before Absolutely. over decades and uh, generally they work for a short term and then they, they, they fail fundamentally because there is an imbalance between tax and spend and either Isle of government has to decide to spend less or somehow it has to extract more taxation. Now initially that will come through the economically active population, but as they become older and require more services, um, you, all you're really doing is bouncing the problem down, uh, further down the line. One of the other parts of the uh, strategy uh, has been uh, g- growing the, the tax take. It's, it's fair to say, though, that government's been quite um, shy about coming forward and, and, and saying, actually, we're going to have to start taxing businesses. I think when you look through our report, you know, we acknowledge that the international landscape, there are some businesses on the island that may well face some, some increases in tax and they know who they are and they're prepared for it. Uh, that's all part of being a global business. Um, I, I think the, the key point is, I, I wouldn't say this is kicking the can down the road. Um, personally, if you can build the right thriving um, environment, then actually that flow of immigration will continually happen. And so you don't have a point where you have, you know, today we have well over 2,000 job vacancies and a couple of hundred people um, unemployed. I suspect that some of those in the unemployment uh, figures actually probably are in the wrong place and and possibly can't work in the first place. Um, So the reality is that is a major, major drag on the economy and we can't move forward without the right skills to be able to do it. So I think for me, a a key mark of success here is are we building the right environment to encourage those young people to either stay on the island or move back to the island uh, that helps the whole uh, cycle uh, work again because at the moment it's only going one direction. Of course, one of the other elements to, to, to this is uh, one of the reasons that we have to make some of the changes that are being talked about uh, is because people retire um, much earlier than they would have done if, if, if you look at life expectancy. When people, uh, you know, when, when retirement uh, or the pension was, was deliverable at 65, um, most people, or the, or the average life expectancy was something like 62 or 63 when, when this was first introduced. Uh, is is part of the problem, uh, or, or part of the solution, uh, encouraging people to actually work longer? And, and I use the word encouraging, not forcing. I, it's already happening. If you look at the last census, the average age of a work on the Isle of Man moved by two years. Now, that doesn't sound a lot to people, but actually in economic terms, that's a huge shift. And, and what happened there? That was the removal of the mandatory retirement age. Um, so, so I think people have already demonstrated that some households do need to then some do need to actually continue working because they're not in the right financial position but some also choose to um, I suspect I won't be retiring at 65 and I'm sure I won't be the only people of my generation to feel that way Of all the recommendations that you've made in your report uh, which is the one that you think is going to make the biggest difference? 
I think the Chief Minister touched on, on planning policies uh, this morning. I think planning around, you know, I've just come from a sustainability panel, but also how do we house the new population? But, you know, you know, we hear, we hear discussions around 5,000 empty properties. Well, again, what planning policies can we put in place to re-encourage investment into mm. those properties? renovating 5,000 properties is better for the environment and also better for the economy than simply just building new ones on, on green land because you don't dispose of the problem. So I think I think planning would be a, a, a big one for me um, and having some sort of two-track type process that we can focus on the really game-changing, uh, you know, the, the projects that are going to move the dial versus, you know, I, I need to change my double glazing or, or something basic. At the moment, they all join the same queue. So I would, I would echo that if we need to move, I mean, I suggest we need to move quite quickly, that would be a key area to look at. Chief Minister Alf Cannon exudes confidence and certainty and it appears feedback from the public so far backs his government's vision. Well, I haven't seen all the feedback at the moment, Phil. I've certainly been out talking over the summer to, to a number of people and I'm not really receiving much in the way of objections. And I think actually what you heard um, from the questions today really I think was it's difficult to disagree um, with parts of it but there's a, a, a fundamental curiosity about how government uh, is equipped to deliver this and tackle the, the, the fund, some of the fundamental issues um, that, that are here uh, existing in, in the present. So that's really, I think, what people are wanting to hear. I think they want to understand more about the detail. There's concerns about where figures such as a billion pounds worth of investment that, that, that we've highlighted over the next 10 years is going to come from. But, but fundamentally, you know, opportunities that are existing at this conference and opportunities now that we're going to exist in the next uh, month or so before Tim Wald actually gets to debate this will will give me a much greater feel I think for the uh, backing for this for this strategy and and of course Tim will ultimately have the final say and give us the green light or orange or red light depending on on how on what feedback is also given to to the people's representatives of the core principles the, the one um, which I, I suspect attracts a lot of interest from uh, many people probably who wouldn't have been represented uh, particularly well in this room today is growing the population by effectively a 16% increase. Um, you, in all the uh, discussions, interviews that I've heard, have avoided talking too much about Greenfields sites, but there was a, a, a hint today, uh, Jerby was mentioned, um, how many houses on greenfield sites do you think are going to be required to deliver this uh, very significant... I mean, we're talking about 14,000 more people coming to the island, aren't we? I think, Phil, it's really important that we don't just talk about growing the population. This is fundamentally about rebalancing um, the population. And I think that has to be the first word that comes out. Yes, in order to do so, we are going to grow the, 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 the population and there's you know, very good reason for doing that. But there's very fundamentally, you know, if you look closely at the data, look closely at the demographic trajectory, the fact that it's highly likely that in 10 or 15 years time, over 60% of our population will be dependent i.e. not working and you know you're less left with this shrinking pool of, of talent to who are really doing that the heavy lifting if you like 
then I think then you, you, you come to understand about the needs for, for, for careful rebalancing and that growth isn't just about opening the doors to everybody, but it's the type of people that come that it is focused about working age population. And of course, you then lead on to all the other policies that you're going to need, the holistic policies you're going to need around the island to, you know, to support that. And in terms of greenfield sites, I mean, you know, our fundamental commitment at the moment is to regenerate our brownfield sites. That's what we want to do. That's where we want to see the housing put but of course within that as I alluded to again in my um, uh, I think actually whilst I was on the stage as part of the panel that there are parts of the island that do want housing Jerby for example and it's possible it's impossible for me to sit here and just give you a, a figure straight off the top of my head but what I am saying to everybody is we come to deliver these strategic plans it's going to give us a much more uh, I think a clearer sense of purpose about where to build how to build and also what the makeup of the island should look like as a whole as a holistic whole rather than taking it uh, in piecemeal one of the questions from the floor um, was um, that in, in relation to the vision I mean they, they talked about the vision they said you know n- nobody uh, would argue with with the, the, the core points that you you talk about um, but they, they found it hard to understand what it was that was going to attract people I mean you talked about uh, nimble fleet of foot uh, government um, but a lot of people in the in the private sector don't really believe that anymore. Well, I, I, I would I, I would challenge that to a to a degree because I think the evidence is there that we have been successful in in certainly in the past in bringing forward the right the right legislation and and I want to think today's evidence is in terms of both the conference the reach out that we're making that this economic strategy that we are listening that we are prepared to be nimble and we're ready to commit to be ambitious um, for the for the future of. Uh, the island in a way that we haven't been in the past and I think we've talked about these things far too long now um, but but we recognize that we are going to be truly successful there has to be a fundamental shift in thinking and a fundamental shift in terms of the way that we for example invest our invest our money as well as of course reaching for the best standards possible in terms of the delivery of education health care and infrastructure um, today so you know, fundamentally, that that that's that's absolutely key to, to getting this right, and, and and I think it's right that we engage in the, in the way that we are doing, and you know we will be nimble in the future once we get our priorities right in terms of our focus, and and if we can do that, then I, then I'm sure we we will find ourselves pushing forward towards success. We're speaking at the start of the conference, uh, but you must be quite pleased uh, with the turnout, and it, it is. Um, uh, quite a bold uh, thing to actually do at a fairly early stage in your administration to to actually say, okay, this is what we're planning. Uh, what do you think? Um, uh, are you pleased with the way it's going? Well, it's very very early, Phil. I mean, we're only a couple of hours into the conference, or an hour and a half into the conference now. But I am pleased with with the initial start, um, and I'm hoping that we will have some good good discussions. And indeed, I would encourage anybody. Um, out there who hasn't been down to the conference they can come it is an open door you you have to register when you come in but absolutely open door and we look forward to the the engagement and and i think you know the questions that we've had today the points that have been raised have helped us think and after this conference is is over we will consolidate some of that thinking some of those thoughts that have been collated and we will look to see whether they should impact in terms of the proposals that we're bringing forward to Timwood. Daphne Kane, MHK, is chair of the Climate Change Transformation Board. I asked her why this is relevant when considering an economic strategy. My approach was really to say climate change is real, it's happening and it's affecting the Isle of Man. We can see from the world events 
the monsoons in Pakistan, the increasing wildfires, the worst drought in Europe for 500 years. We know it's happening. The Isle of Man is way past time that we took action and the climate mitigations to adapt our life and our island for the future. So what I was trying to explain and give a very high-level overview is that we now have prepared, approved by Council of Ministers a climate action plan for five years which we are legally required to have in place under our new Climate Change Act. The That plan along with our roadmap to net zero by 2050 along with our first progress year report and two interim targets will go before the October Timwald and we will be seeking political approval to implement those plans and to deliver on those targets. A 35% was it uh, reduction in greenhouse uh, gases by 2030. Is that ambitious? It is when you look at where we're coming from and the fact that we're 30 years behind other jurisdictions in taking any action. So that represents a significant amount of activity and a massive lifestyle and culture shift for the Isle of Man. So it has been politically so difficult in the past that no progress was made at all. We now have a plan outlining what that means across so many sectors. Now business are very much um, on board with it. In fact, increasingly from business, from the young people and um, the wider population. It isn't so much we mustn't do this, it's too expensive. We know it's going to cost more in the long term for what we don't do now. It'll cost, it's an investment if you like, that's better um, spent now, otherwise it'll be much more expensive in the future. And more, more than that, reputationally for the Isle of Man, not playing our part in reducing our emissions is not an option, not only for the island and where we'd like to be, but in terms of attracting people to come to the Isle of Man, increasingly attracting young people to think of the Isle of Man as a place that they'd like to live. But also in terms of businesses, we are hearing increasingly from businesses who are here that they can't meet their ESG commitments at the moment. But we're hearing that potential businesses who might come here are being deterred because we are so very far behind. And although 35% reduction of our emissions by 2030 and the the other interim target to reaffirm at next month's Timwald of 45% reduction by 2035, from the starting point where we are, no, it's not enormous, but it is significant for the Isle of Man. And that is what we think we can support across business, agriculture, waste, transport. But there are many areas that we need significantly more research, as well as to work up strategies to deliver this. The the main point that came over very strongly today is that everybody has agreed now that um, putting in place a second interconnector to bring electricity into the island must be done and we're looking to do that by 2030 because decarbonising our electricity generation is key in enabling us to meet both those targets. So along with a second interconnector will be delivery, hopefully within the next four years, of at least 20 megawatt renewable generation on the island. A relatively small uh, thing would be to insulate all the homes on the Isle of Man to a, a far greater standard than they currently are. Uh, you know, if we could reduce by 50% the amount of energy we need to heat our homes, that's 50% less of a problem that we have in terms of the, the current uh, fuel price issues. 
Absolutely. The cost of living crisis and the energy crisis at the moment have given even more impetus to making that transition. What we have said and is a key element of our action plan is that we must bring everybody on this journey. Nobody can get left behind. So, yes, there is renewed emphasis on uh, better homes, more airtight homes, better insulated, double or even triple glazing. And what we have said is that under the action plan as proposed, if approved, would be to bring forward the date by which fossil fuel boilers can be installed in new build houses. There are other elements in terms of building regulations, building better homes, better for the future, um, reducing energy bills, reducing emissions, reducing pollution, greater use um, take up hopefully of electric vehicles more provision of electric chargers which the Alaman is very well positioned to make the most of because of our average journeys but we also need to look at increasing use of um, with the energy crisis as well and the incentives being put on a, a price cap on bus fares for instance so it's all part of the picture but having said that sustainability our future environment um, just living up to the ideals and the policies of the Isle of Man as the first nation at UNESCO biosphere it's a whole thing it's not it's not government's plan it's not the climate change team's plan this is a plan for the for the whole island that we hope that we can deliver by working together to make a better more sustainable island for the future of the island for everyone who's here at the moment and hopefully for those that we want to attract here to enhance what we have on the island. The Cannon administration uh, is, has, has a, a fine reputation for saying all the right things. When are we actually going to start seeing things happen? Absolutely. We hope if the plan is approved that we can start implementing and delivering on that plan very quickly. There are significant um, infrastructure renewal such as the inf- interconnector and renewables um, there are there's a lot of private sector interest in delivering part of that I think the problem has been you know we we're all waiting for government to lead the way but in terms of why isn't government putting solar on new buildings on its government estate what's government doing to reduce its own energy bills which the public ends up paying through the taxpayer in fact there's a lot of work goes on behind the scenes you can't just suddenly say yes we'll put solar here or we'll not put it there it's we have to review government estate how big it is which buildings are going to be maintained and needed for the longer term future which ones are most appropriate to in, have such um, investment in renewables um, and also which ones the the government estate might be discarding in the future so it's never as simple as we must do this it's there's no point doing something to be seen to be doing something we want to make sure that it is the right action both from the government taking the lead but also in the island context everything we do we are having to research carefully to know that the measures we take and the recommendations in this five-year action plan and what what will follow in the next five-year action plan from 2027 they have to be the right solution for the island given our weather wind conditions um, and also in terms of our energy generation so what does newly appointed minister rob collister think of the conference you know over the years these may become very invaluable important tools for government to stop and tell people what they're doing and what they're planning to do in the future but also to give us as elected members and as a government a chance to listen to people because a lot of the time we don't always listen as much as we should do. One of the criticisms I think you could reasonably give is that the um, the, the vision is motherhood and apple pie it's the sort of thing that anyone who ever thought of 
being a government, would say we need to grow the economy, we need more money to spend on public finances, we need to engage with the private sector and get private sector funding and, and, and things like this. There's, it's a bit light in terms of actual detail at the moment. It may be light, but I think we've got to look towards the future. What, how is the Isle of Man going to fund its services in the future? Are we able to grow? What new sectors are going to come through? Are we just going to increase taxes and keep the population the same? Our, our population is getting older, so we do need to stop and listen and look and take a health check on the Manx government and then look at ways of maybe growing it. And one of the, the visions is to grow the working population of the island, and I fully support that because that will help us able to provide the core services that this island expects. One of the criticisms as well that uh, growing the, the, the population uh, gets from certain people who've been around for a, a, a good while is that uh, you know we, we've had these population drives in the past, they work for a short term and then subsequently uh, the, uh, the people who've been attracted, who were economically active, then become dependent, require services and uh, we haven't really solved the problem. Isn't the, the real problem that there's a kind of a disconnect between taxation and spend and no matter how many active economically active members of the population you have uh, unless you've uh, fixed that uh, imbalance between tax and spend uh, you're never really going to address this well there is questions do we raise taxes through the normal the way we're doing at the moment or do we actually try and be innovative let's be perfectly honest if we go back to the 1980s to the 1990s high unemployment the isle of man needed to take bold steps in order to think outside the box they did that and then we had a very successful finance industry since then we've had a very successful e-gaming company insurance company banking so we've got to think out of the box and we've got to think of new ideas but we've got a brilliant island here to attract people but what we do need is to get the basics right. We need the schools, we need the health, we need all of the other core services people expect living in a community such as the Isle of Man. And of course you will be looking forward to getting your feet under the, the health and social care table. Um, what's, what's day one uh, after, after the conference? What, 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 what are the the, the core things that you're going to have to be uh, tackling. Yeah, I, the department is currently going for that transformation period. It's absolutely right that we carry out that audit and check on the services that are that we all expect within health and social care. And once that's completed, I think then we've got to put in place the policies, the legislation and the procedures to help Manx Care. And it is Manx Care's responsibility to deliver those services. The department's role is to make sure they're absolutely reaching those targets, those KPIs, making sure they're delivering the services service that we pay for on behalf of the people of this island and I look forward to working with Manx Care in the weeks and months to come. New chair of the MUA, Tim Johnson MHK, is broadly supportive of the strategy and conference. This is about some of the criticism of, of uh, we sort of heard of the election about making sure that government is engaging, talking about what it's doing. So I think give, give the government's due. It's 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 doing that. You know, it, it's talking about this this economic strategy. This and again, which again, it's looking at that longer term plan, setting it out, letting letting the people of the Alaman know what it's all about. So I think that's the that's the right thing to be doing. I mean, inevitably, the population issue is the one thing that seems to be obviously talked about quite a lot. It's quite controversial. In some ways, I don't think the way that the way they, the government put it forward was, was unnecessary. I mean, to me. It, what we're talking about here is making sure that we have a, a competitive island, that we've got somewhere that's attractive for, for our young people to stay, somewhere that's attractive for, for people to come and work here. And to me, inevitably, that would potentially lead to a, an increase in population. So I think in some ways, 
it's 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 maybe dominated more than it needed to. The, the, it's it's really what we really need to be doing is talking about what are the challenges, what are the issues, and, and making sure we get we're putting the solutions in place. And from that, we would potentially see that increase anyway. The first thing you've got to do, which which is why I'm supportive of the plan and the KPG report, is to identify what are those issues, what are the big issues that the Isle of Man needs to be facing, to address all of these these problems, and population keeping young people here, you know, the cost of, cost of living, housing, all these things are the things that are really important. Making sure, for example, our employment legislation is, is, is up to date, our, our childcare strategy, because we have to understand that as an island, as a jurisdiction, we're in competition with, with other jurisdictions, and we have, to, we have to have something to offer people. What, if you're a young person leaving school on the Isle of Man, they need to look up and they, they look around and say to themselves, you know, why should I stay here? And we've got, to, we've got to offer something compelling for those young people, and we've got to offer something compelling for, the, for other people who want to come and live here. KPMG's work, has it been value for money? It has the potential to be. Um, if we put it on the shelf and do nothing with it, then no. But if we recognise a lot of the issues, and even if you don't fully agree with all of them, understanding the bigger picture of having that longer-term strategy, I think is really vital. We've got to get away from the, that five-year economic uh, election cycle of, of, of you know, a year to find our feet, a couple of years of, of talking about doing stuff, and then everyone's thinking about the next election again. So this, having this longer-term strategy, I think, is really, really important. Was Infrastructure Minister Chris Thomas being brave attending such a public forum? I'm not sure why you'd have to be brave, because we got some good, good questions, and I hope the public thought that the answers were frank, open, realistic because we do have some major challenges in terms of uh, airport, harbours, um, in terms of public transport, in terms of heritage rails, in terms of flood risk management, in terms of coastal erosion and all, waste management, all the housing, all the other things that the department does. And most of those came up in the uh, questions and was very pleased to uh, engage with the public to listen and to learn. And obviously the, the, the strategy, uh, the, one of the core Uh, features of the strategy is to increase the population of the Isle of Man by 15% or 16%, something like that. Um, Many people would say that we have a creaking infrastructure and anyone who's been Minister for Infrastructure will know that there is insufficient budget to maintain what we've already got. Uh, what has to change? Well, when I accepted the role, when I, in fact when I looked for the role in middle of June, um, it was all about making our infrastructure work for people. I'm the Minister of Infrastructure, not the Minister for Infrastructure. And if we're not maintaining it properly for people, we need to maintain it better. And if we're not only investing in what people need, we shouldn't be investing in it. So that's part of the answer to your question. Uh, if, if you look at the hospital, if you look at the schools, if you look at private industry in terms of jobs, we do need people. Um, even the next Minister of Health and Social Care will have to admit he's three or four hundred people short of the hospital and we have far too much in terms of agencies and back, bringing it back home into public transport we have been using um, arrangements with bus drivers far too much that are not long term uh, roles they're more um, filling in roles and that's having the same impact on my budget as, as it's had on the hospital uh, budget so therefore we need to make sure that the infrastructure works for people if, if the amongst popular population decides that it's good to increase their number the infrastructure needs to accommodate that we've got what's called the national infrastructure strategy which is an audit of water of sewerage of housing of roads of electricity all those sorts of things and uh, you know we know what where we have gaps and what we'll have to do and also, if we're going to have more people, we'll need more schools and we'll need more teachers and uh, we'll need to have the buildings to put those people into as well. I'm not sure you actually answered the question, though. Uh, 
does the department need more money? The, the department uh, um, has got one of has uh, is the only department of government that's got fewer staff than it had five years ago. Not only does it need more money, it needs uh, it needs um, more people probably. Um, and this is, uh, if I give you an example, I'm told that um, our highways division, you know, when you were minister, um, they were talking about having 110, 120 people in terms of the emergency services and highways. We're operating at around 70 at the moment. So you could argue we've got um, half the number, that, uh, nearly half the number that we should probably have. Um, in terms of money, I said on the stage there that we probably only had 40% of the budget we need for the maintenance of our highways. Uh, and we've had that for a number of years. They're still pretty good compared to lots of places around these islands, but they're deteriorating, and to keep them in the, in the, in the standard and to put them back to where they were five or ten years ago, we're going to need more money than we've had in recent years. But there have been a few initiatives, and certainly many people driving around the island um, will have, have been thwarted with road closures uh, due to the, the resurfacing work that's uh, on, on being undertaken at the moment. There's a fairly new uh, technology being used there, isn't yeah. it? So we have three types of uh, approach to that. We have, um, I think it's called plane and, and, and lay. We have fundamental rebuilding, and the third one is micro-asphalting. And you're right, we have, uh, we have got a, a, a quite a large group of people who do come over and and do lots of jobs in two or three weeks and then go away again and that's going to happen for the next uh, for the next four years and uh, initial results as reported to me is it's been successful and the public's been impressed about how much they've got done so yeah we are doing lots of maintenance we've still got lots more to do and we're standing right next to a, a fantastic presentation of a another uh, i suppose it's a, a bit of a wish list item and that is the uh, the promenade walkway um i mean that I, I can reasonably say this because as Minister I thought it at the time um, surely to goodness it would have been better to have incorporated the walkway with the whole promenade scheme and indeed a seawall. No I agree with you and I worked with you back in 2013, 14, 15, 16 and that's what we thought in those days and in fact my first ever amendment was back in 2013 before I joined the Department of Infrastructure that we should have a vision and a plan for the whole of the promenade before we started on phase one. All the senior politicians at the time laughed at me and said that wasn't the way. I think I, I, think I was right and if that was your view which I remember it was you were right too. So we, we didn't have that. We've, we've now on the stages where we're nearly finalising the contract uh, for the actual highways part of it. We've now got some gaps that we've got to address one of those are the sea walls along the promenade another one is uh, is, um, is, a, is, a, is a promenade pavement the, the walkway itself and the third one perhaps even would be the um, the horse uh, tram tracks all the way along to either the uh, war memorial or all the way to the sea terminal Douglas Borough Council has got to finish off its sunken gardens and uh, and, and its lights so what I've been doing is I've been working with Douglas Borough Council and uh, highways particularly, but also other parts of uh, the, the Department of Government to try to put together a sort of three-year master plan for finishing off the promenade and then Tim Wood Court can make up its mind about how much money it wants to spend when on finishing off the project. And what we've got here are some concept designs about what the walkway could look like. It outlines where the sea walls will be and essentially I'd hope that people could come along reflect on it and then feedback properly to us because it's better to, to make up your mind properly now rather than change your mind in two years time that's the way disasters were made and that's what has afflicted the promenade all throughout it was basically politicians coming along making a good speech and then the um, the overall purpose of what was being trying to deliver by the contractors was changed i think uh, many people 
I, I mean, obviously there's, there are mixed views about the horse trams, but um, many people would be surprised to, to learn that if, if you are going down the route, which you already have done, of spending substantial sums of money on the horse trams, uh, that you would even consider not going the full length of the promenade and, and only uh, go as far as the, uh, the, the, the war memorial. I mean, is that really a prospect? It's a possibility. So, first of all, the Department of Infrastructure has got to meet Treasury's criteria to even get it in the capital bid this year or next year or the year after. I've said previously it's definitely the work's not happening before the winter of 2023. And if that means it's got to go in this year into this year's budget and Treasury have got money is tight at Treasury and they've got definite criteria. Once it gets submitted to Treasury, it would then have to get through Treasury's concurrence and then it would have to go to Council Ministers to get into the government's budget and then it would have to be approved in Timwall. So quite a few hurdles that the horse tram tracks have got to uh, to get over but I do agree with you a lot of money has been spent on this important part of banks culture and tradition having said that though as you always know an important part of economics is money that's spent is spent and, and you know doesn't necessarily imply anything about the future you and I always also used to talk about um, the fact that in many parts of the world um, there are, stat- there are charities, even statutory charities, to, to look after Heritage Rail, and that's certainly something that's on the table again. You'll remember that was always my view, that we should perhaps learn lessons from North Wales and other parts of the world. We can perhaps lever in private money. Certainly I've got meetings lined up with Manx National Heritage and others to think about imagining a better place for our heritage well and it might well be that it's uh, slightly more distance from public transport than it has been in the past and a crucial question in all of that is the one that I know you've often I think I know your view on this but you've often postulated the question at least now you're a journalist I put it round back, back that way to you can the heritage rail systems ever be passenger transport commuter transport and if not let's stop pretending they are and if they are let's start using them as such and, and just finally then, in, in terms of the Promenade Walkway, um, the, there are some interesting plans here. I see Enbar is mentioned, there's a, a three legs of man there. Um, uh, how do people who, who could, haven't had the opportunity to go to the conference, how do they actually uh, see these plans and uh, actually give you feedback? Well, no, it's, it's on the table now. We are not launching a consultation today. Um, I will accept any invitation that Manx Radio gives to me to come onto Madden Line to talk about the promenade um, in, in coming months. And at some point, we will be launching a consultation. But at this stage, it hasn't been. These plans haven't been to planning. They haven't been to. Um, they haven't been to council ministers. They haven't been to treasury for concurrence even to get to council ministers. So they're on the table. I do hope that people get in touch with uh, with me and the highways engineers about them, and I'm hoping to stimulate the public discussion. Education Minister Julie Edge has one or two problems to deal with too, so when are we going to see more detail and action? Um, So certainly from an education point of view, I feel that we do have clear objectives in place. We've got our own strategy. Um, Obviously, from the department's point of view, having had an independent review into it only a couple of years ago, it's helped focus what the department needs to do. Um, And I think a lot of people underestimate what the Department of Education can achieve and part and parcel is to make sure that we ensure that we have well-rounded individuals coming out of our education setting that have progressed to the best of their ability and to provide them with that opportunity to seek employment once they leave school or continue on into further education. And, and you have a, 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 a problem not unique to, to many of the ministerial colleagues uh, that you have, uh, which is 
that the strategy is designed to ensure that there is sufficient funding to deliver the services that you need to deliver. Um, You've just uh, had a a fairly significant pay uplift for for the teachers. Uh, There's another one likely to follow again for for, for this year, and um, a, a huge proportion of your budget goes on staff salaries. Um, how is the department going to be able to deliver all the, all the new initiatives and schemes um, that the strategy demands uh, with uh, ever-increasing pressures on your budget? I think that's one of the key questions um, for, for the government is from the economic strategy. How do we turn that into budget and available funds to deliver? Um, the most important thing when you, when you do a strategy like that is to deliver it. Um, so obviously that involves investment and the resources made available to, make, to deliver that. Um, with regards to just the department, talking about our own departmental strategy, um, obviously we've done that and we're looking at that within current budget but we're also um, putting pressure on, on the Treasury to make sure that we have the funding available. Um, you heard the challenges on the floor there today with um, additional educational needs and how the population of, of males is, is not performing as well as females. It isn't new, that's always been, been known but what we need to do is address and make sure these people and I keep saying it's access to education at any stage and it shouldn't be about your age, you should be able to get into an education program or out of it if you if you have any any situation that puts a barrier in the way we should be able to make that flexible approach and I think with the new ways of working with different exams and the level and it's called levels now rather than GCSEs I think that does give people better opportunity and that options pathways and the map Um, I think a lot of people will stay on the island now they know that there's possibility and opportunity on the island to stay here and get the qualifications you need without leaving the island and going off to university. We invest nearly, I think it's it's well over £10 million in UK universities um, per year and uh, a lot of students don't come back but they do perhaps come back when they have young children themselves so um, we've got challenges ahead but we need to make sure we're putting the right investment in the right places and I think the top of that should be education. MHK's Claire Christian and Anne Corlett gave me a warts and all assessment at the end of day one of the conference. Claire Christian began with a positive Firstly, I'd like to say that the government have gone to extraordinary lengths here for these two days, um, and I'd like to congratulate them on that. Um, Certainly the feedback that I have been speaking to people from the audience are really, really thrilled with the engagement and being able to see the ministers have a sort of an open forum where they've been able to ask questions. Um, And and I have to say, it's really, really positive um, and uh, and certainly enjoyable from from their perspective. I think it's good um, to try this out, to see how it goes. I think this, um, we need to seriously evaluate it at the end, how, much, how many people attended, what the cost is, was it at the right time, does it need tweaking? But, I mean, as an initial response, I think it's a really good idea to engage. Obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight, but, um, you know, perhaps on a weekend or at least one of the days on the weekend or in the evening um, would be really uh, beneficial. Um, One of the other points that I've, having spoken to people in terms of feedback was 
not everybody is digitally um, capable and there's a lot of you know click here you can ask questions on slider um, that's great but actually a lot of the people as you say were retired people here um, and they actually wanted somewhere just to write out a form here's my question where can I put it and then centralizing the answers somewhere would be really really beneficial for everybody on the island to see what questions came up because this is such a huge opportunity we've got we've got a captured audience for once and and really we should be we should be taking that and and really pushing ahead what lessons are you you learning uh, Anne Collett I think that is an essential point about timing excuse me I do think that you know if we're going to encourage working people businesses then we have to go outside the working day Um, I, I take Claire's point about digitalizing things i mean actually it might have been nice to be able to put your hand up to say something as a as a immediate response to a a comment or a suggestion so i think you know we really need to sit down after this and analyze how we've done it what the successes were what the what the challenges are and how how we address that and get more people to come and engage with us is there anything new coming out of this would you say I guess there's nothing new for us, really, um, but I think it's an opportunity to, you know, engage with public and actually be able to tell them what's going on. And um, even just you being here and, and taking views is, is an engagement that, you know, we don't always have. One of, one of the concerns, Phil, um, as always is we've kind of heard this stuff before and and as Anne said actually in one of her speeches it was it set set and don't set and forget don't set and forget so we're looking at strategy um you know don't set that strategy and then forget about it and that's what a lot of people have been saying to me they really appreciate this but we've got to now push forward and, and actually make this happen the vision is a bit of political motherhood and apple pie, really, isn't it? When are we going to get some real detail? Yeah, I, I, you're right. You're absolutely right. Where is the detail? We've been looking for that for quite some time now. Um, and I also think, unfortunately, the, a lot of the, as you did you say, pie in the sky sort of dreams, a lot of that now is unachievable. So we are going to be looking at going into this next administrative year. Um, what can we not do? Let's be really honest about this. Things have changed. The, the econo- the, we are being hit by economic shocks daily, virtually. Um, so what can we achieve and what can't we achieve? One of the biggest content issues in to the, over this day so far has been population growth. How are you going to achieve that and what is going to make us completely different from everywhere else? And I've not really heard really fundamentally factors that is going to do that and and I'm, I'm really going to be pushing for that over the next couple of months what what is going to make us different what is going to make us more competitive because we can't achieve any of this if we don't actually stand stand out from the rest of everyone else most people uh, who, who are living on the Isle of Man at the moment know that it's incredibly difficult just to afford to live here mm. um, so how on earth is government going to move from where we are to actually starting to attract upwards of 800,000 people, new new people to move to the island. Well, come on, we have heard this before, haven't we? You know, we've been here long enough. There's little, really, that we haven't heard before. So for me, we've got to prioritise what we can do, especially in the next four years. You know, prioritise it, have a plan, get on with it. Strategy's fine, but strategy is a long-term thing. We need to know what we can do now. 
and get on with it, really. One of the other interesting factors, um, uh, just kind of a little bit alleviating from that, was um, the jargon that's being used on the stage is actually quite technical, and a lot of the general pu public here are saying, we just need it normalising a little bit more for us to be able to understand, um, and I think that's quite interesting. So, yes, it, it is... In, it, you know, it's important that we're reaching out to these people. This is absolutely brilliant. This is more than I think has been done before. Um, but, but now what we've got to do is, is really take the steps forward, make sure these things happen, but be really honest about how much we can and can't do. And actually talk in a language that people understand. And again, I, I just want to see more of that. I want to see these are the top 10 things we're going to achieve in the, next, in the next four years. I want to see what that is. And I still don't physically, I can't, it's not tangible and I'm still not physically seeing that. Well, we've just been hearing from the Education Minister and uh, I'm detecting from the pair of you that this is more a uh, see me at the end of the lesson rather than excellence, well done, uh, he is a gold star. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I feel it's very much a, a trial to see what we can achieve through it, how much engagement we can get from it. Yeah, it's far from perfect, isn't it? There's been some excellent questions from the mm. public. I am absolutely, you know, really superb questions. And that re I hope a lot of the members, the, the MHKs are here and, and really listening to those. And if they haven't really been accurately answered, let's get them on the floor of Tynwald. Let's use them. Let's, put, let's, let's push forward with that because actually th this is the closest thing we can get, apart from on our own constituency. But this is fantastic because I've really seen a lot to do with the, what businesses feel, um, you know, what what pensioners feel it's abs it's been absolutely brilliant from that perspective i think too it's not only questions yeah. i've heard suggestions in there yeah. today that have been really really valid suggestions things that i haven't thought of and i haven't heard mentioned in in departments or in in parliament so you know they're, they're, i think the good things have come from it we just need to make it bigger and better there's no doubt that the inaugural government conference was a good idea and can become a very meaningful exercise in the future if lessons are learned. Some of the sessions were very informative, while others lacked detail, but government seemed genuinely eager to engage. Government welcomes your feedback on the strategy, but the deadline for responses is this Friday the 30th of September at a minute to midnight. We'll hear about day two of the conference on next week's perspective, but for now, I'm Phil Gorn, Goromayos and Geisha Grum. Thanks for listening. <laughs>